Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and uh, we've got some more books to talk about. Yeah, it's your turn to go first. Tell us what you've been reading. Um, There's still several that I am midway through, but I had a kind of uh, eccentric group anyway. And, well, let's get to it. Um, got one of them at hand. I like to have that as an actual physical totem of reading, unlike all my audio books. <laughs> and just stumbled onto this at the public library, thought it looked fun. Comeback season, my unlikely story of friendship with the greatest living Negro League baseball players by a young guy named Cam Perrin. And this was just a really fun book. Cam is younger than I am. Uh, he is from, I believe, Boston area originally, and just somehow got interested in the Negro Leagues and the ever-declining number of players who still remember the Negro Leagues. Um, and through kind of the networks of the internet, he met a few people who met a few people, and he ended up just kind of building friendships by telephone with some of these uh aging Negro League players, um, which was an interesting story. But the other part of it that I didn't realize is Cam had a very real tangible influence in their lives. Um, pensions change for Major League Baseball at some point. And if a Negro League player could document that he played four years in the Negro Leagues, he was entitled to a pension from Major League Baseball, which for a lot of these guys who are older guys who are just kind of barely hanging on was a big chunk of money. Uh, so Cam, using young people internet skills, would find you know a newspaper article from 1948 that proved that this guy was on the Newark Bears or whatever, uh, and would help them get their pensions in many cases. Uh, the, the book really kind of comes together when they have a big like Negro Leagues reunion in Birmingham, um, and, and Cam who's still in high school, basically just like skips a week of school and goes to this reunion and gets to really meet these guys and be around them. And just a, a really interesting story. That I think the takeaway, I really admired Cam's ability to find something that he cared about and to follow it, get to learn about it, but also to do some good in it, to help these guys along. Uh, and you, you get a sense that the friendship's uh, really meant something both ways, and, and an unusual story, but a cool one, one I enjoyed reading. Yeah, you talked about this one constantly while you were reading it. It sounded really good. They did a uh, big uh, TV thing on it with Bryant Gumble, and that kind of helped get some more attention, both for the reunion and for you know more old ball players who were out there. I think he told a story of one guy who they were at the reunion, and... He got a phone call. Can I talk to so and so? Well, he's not here right now. I said, Well, I'm his daughter. And he said, I asked some very strategic questions to try to vet this. And lo and behold, it was the guy's daughter. He'd never met her. Wow. Uh, she had seen the story and was like, Hey, that's that's my dad. So, you know, again, interesting. Not it, it lived up to what I hoped for. It was different than most books. It's a fairly thin, quick read. But uh, if if the topic sounds cool, check it out. Awesome. So I can give that one high marks. Uh, with pro football winding down, I also read Belichick by Ian O'Connor, which is a pretty straightforward biography of the great New England Patriots football coach and misanthrope. Uh, 
the, the uh, inside stories here are, are worth learning. You get an idea of where Belichick came from. Uh, he was the son of a longtime assistant football coach, and the way that his passion really was for sitting in the film room and finding these minute microscopic details uh, that might be the difference between okay and good or good and great or great and legendary. Uh, but, you know, he goes all the way through to the cheating scandals that have plagued the Patriots. Again, it's, it's, there's no detail too small, whether it's videotaping the other team's signals and stealing them, which is against the rules, or uh, deflating the footballs, which Belichick claims to have had nothing to do with. <laughs> he was quick to throw Tom Brady under the bus. One of the, one of the real revelations here, I always assumed that Belichick and Tom Brady, who was his quarterback for eons, and they won all those Super Bowls together, were BFFs and not so much. <laughs> very functional relationship. Brady was very close to Robert Kraft, who was the owner of the Patriots. Uh, but Brady and Belichick kind of coexisted. But Interesting. You know, you, you get a little more feel for the guy. And I loved one point where... Uh, Somebody who had worked under both of them basically said that he and Nick Saban, who was his longtime assistant, were both crazy, but that Saban was meaner. So that was the distinction between them. So That checks, you know? Yeah. Well, and he pretty much dedicated one chapter to, like, the untold stories of Belichick and that Belichick does all of these really thoughtful, kind things, but he's very careful to keep them quiet. He does not... (laughs) want people to know the real him and will go to fairly extraordinary lengths to prevent it, but has done some very kind things. But, you know, players who who got cut talked about him calling them and, and just the difference it made that he took the time and trouble to reach out at a time when he didn't need to. Staff members who he had did things for their families. Uh, you know, a, a guy who maybe his blind spot is not as big as I would think when I watch him wear a hoodie and look like a hobo and (laughs) monosyllable his way through another press conference. But one of the better uh, biographies I've read lately, Belichick by Ian O'Connor. High praise. Yep. And then I read one which circles back to our forthcoming read. It's called The Night the Lights Went Out by Drew McGarry. And yeah, we will talk more about Drew. This was Drew's newest book. And I had read one of Drew's prior books, and you're about to read one of Drew's prior books. I am. Uh, the Night the Lights Went Out is very much what it sounds like. And funny enough, the other book, I will point this out just for the ironic nature of it, is called Someone Could Get Hurt, uh, which is about parenting. But this book was called The Night the Lights Went Out. It could have been called Someone Could Get Hurt because it's a story about Drew getting hurt. Drew was at, he worked for the website Deadspin. That was what he was famous for. He was uh, a hilarious okay. writer. Okay. Um, but they were doing a big banquet and something happened. He really doesn't know what still, but he ends up on the ground and had cracked his head and he had a traumatic brain injury. And he's again, he, he says, I have one doctor who's convinced somebody hit me from behind that that's the only way this could have happened. But he said, but I don't know who, I don't know why they would have, Crazy. but he's just walking down a hallway and then he wakes up in a hospital having been in a coma. He could have died. He really could have. There's a long list of but for, if not, one of his friends at the party was married to a doctor and she saw enough red flags to kind of insist that he be checked out thoroughly and taken hmm. seriously. And when they checked him out, they were like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, but a lot of uh, fallout comes out of this. Uh, his 
it's a very honest book in that he brings his family in. I mean, he's out for weeks and weeks in the hospital. His family basically have to come to New York, which is where this party had happened, because that's where he's in the hospital. And there's there's stories about that. Even when he comes back, there are things like he can't hear in one of his ears because in the course of his surgery, one of the nerves has gotten damaged and he can't hear in one ear. So he, he gives some very interesting accounts of that and he ends up getting a cochlear implant and he talks about that process and how all of that works. So if, if you know anybody who's had a traumatic brain injury, uh, it's it's kind of interesting behind the scenes for that. I can't say it was necessarily my favorite book of his. Again, I've only read the two, but I like the other one a lot more. It was... I hate to say more lighthearted because at times it's not very lighthearted, but well, this, this compared book, to traumatic brain injury, yeah, it really this book is you're lighthearted. Talking about is not meant to be lighthearted. No, no. Um, but an interesting book. Drew's a, a very talented writer. I feel old kind of bringing up Deadspin because there was a time when that was just massive internet thing and it's been gone for years now. Um, but the night the lights went out and. Uh, it was an interesting read, an interesting companion to the other two, and then their joint book, which I was working on too. But okay, we'll yeah, save so that. Now it's my turn. Yes. All right. I finished *Present Over Perfect* by Sean Nequist for like the eight hundredth time. Say you've you've read this many many times. Well, I've been reading it for a long time too. I just was like reading two essays a day for a while, and so it, it took me a long time. I like to think that you go to like the last paragraph and then don't read it, so you've got an excuse to start again and get it perfect. You need to read her book. You need to read her book so much anyway. It was just a joke. Um, this one, I've talked about it so many times. Yeah. And I'm going to go to her latest book after this. I'm not sure exactly when I'll start it because I have so many good things coming up. Um, but then I read uh, Mad Honey by Jody Picoult and Jennifer Finney Boylan. I don't think I'd ever read anything by Boylan, but I've definitely read Picoult before. Yeah. This is... Um, Gosh, it's too complicated to describe really well. Um, if you've read Picoult before and you have liked her, then you definitely will want this book. She's written everything. She's written so many books. Um, and if you hadn't, this one might be a good place to start. I read at the end of it that the two authors uh, traded off chapters. Um, they each It's a dual point of view book, and so they each picked character, and that was like their character. But then I think that they also... Just to kind of keep things fresh, they switched up for various chapters throughout the book, and it made me wonder which ones did they do, like which ones, because you really couldn't tell mm -hmm. it was seamless. They did a great job with it. Um, so ba the basic idea behind this story is you've got uh, this mom who's a beekeeper, and she's a single mom, divorced. She lives with her son, and he has a girlfriend who's a, a new girl in town there. High school students, um, and this girl has just moved to town, and they immediately become close. One day, um, she gets a call from the police station, and it's her son, and he's crying, and he says he thinks that this girl is dead, and then he is a suspect in her murder. So, really, uh, just a page turner. I had a hard time putting this one down, even though it was like a 500-plus page book. Um, it was interesting. The characters were fascinating. This one was given to me by a woman that I work with. She said she read the whole thing in one night, and she's got um, good gracious. She's got a one year old, so that should tell you how yeah. 
compulsive this book is for reading. I mean, so. I'm used to a world in which we talk about reading and people go, oh my gosh, how do you do that? But I'm going to go, oh my gosh, how do you do that? <laughs> so yeah, this one, this one, when it gets its claws into you, you are hooked. Um, and then the last one that I read here is called Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne. Pretty sure I've talked about two of her other books on this podcast before. She wrote Love Lettering. She wrote Love at First. Obviously, these are romance stories. But I like... Kate Claiborne the same way that I like Emily Henry and that these are never light or fluffy stories. They deal with really heavy issues in this one, family trauma, um, and really just the idea of digging in and figuring out who you are supposed to be in a world that wants to tell you. The main male character was a high school troublemaker who's trying very hard to keep his life together and just not make any more waves. You see over the course of the story why he was a troublemaker. And then the main character, Georgie, the, she is seen by everybody as being so flighty, almost flaky, really, especially high school teachers and people who knew her in high school. But there's a depth to Georgie and um, that she doesn't even let herself acknowledge. So it's a really good book for self-discovery and for figuring out what it is about another person that makes them matter to us. I just thought this book was incredible. It's a library book, but it's one that I'll want to read again. Interesting. And that brings us to our shared read, which is Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing by Matthew Perry, who is my favorite friend. <laughs> and I said that's, that like that's... Chandler Bing unintentionally. but <laughs> yes. I'm setting off the uh, alarm thing on the remote, but this is our life. I have <laughs> alarms on the remotes, and anytime either of us gets loud, which tends to be you and not me, the alarm things go off. But All I right. laughed loud enough to set it off. But yeah, he's your he's your favorite friend, and let's italicize friend. Yeah, from the TV sitcom Friends, which was going to be called what? What was it? Friends with us. That's sort of, there was a like, name. It was a, it was a three word title. name. Yeah. yeah, and that was the best thing about this book. Spoiler alert from the very beginning, the big terrible thing is his addiction, which is no real secret. Um, if you have, if you watched Friends at all, if you watched especially the reunion of Friends that came out on HBO Max, what, last year? Let's see, it's two years ago now. Okay. Right. Um, but I mean, it's something that he has talked about quite candidly. Um, and it is obvious if you watch the show, the way his weight balloons and then shrinks and he goes through pill addiction and alcohol addiction and, um, just all kinds of stuff. So that's the majority of what this book is about. And it's really a powerful story of trying to overcome and a really just kind of harrowing and sad, um, picture of the way that addiction really controls all the aspects of your life, whether you have all kinds of money, all kinds of influence or not. And the way that it can ruin moments in your life that are supposed to be really cool. Like pretty much anything about taping friends. Yeah, I my honest takeaway from this book was that I was kind of disappointed just because I wanted a little more your typical celebrity memoir where he's going to dish some of the silly backstage stories. And there are some of those. There were some of that, but, yeah. But largely, yeah, it's a chronicle of a life of addiction and it's just one down spiral after another it's it's brutal i appreciate his his candor in in talking about his problems um it doesn't mean it's not kind of wearying sometimes as a reader because gosh yeah this is this is big league stuff and there's a lot of it but as wearying as it is for us as readers yeah yeah sure (laughs) 
much, much more so for him having to live through it. He, the thing that I did like about this book um, were the fact that he really does seem to literally share a voice with Chandler Bing. So there Could would he be any more Chandler Bing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they they seem to have way more in common maybe than your typical actor and character. Although if you play somebody for how many seasons did this run? Nine Ooh. years, ten, ten. Okay, if you play somebody for ten years, obviously some aspects are going to meld together from you and from them or whatever. But um, the the book writing about these hard things it's constantly lightened by moments of levity where he makes fun of himself and other people just as Chandler Bing would have mm-hmm. so you're reading this terrible stuff and all of a sudden you're just laughing because he's he's brought that out in this um voice that is all his own that he shared with that character and also just he does put a lot of um little interesting celebrity things that you would not have known. I didn't know he for real dated Julia Roberts. Did you know that? Had a lengthy relationship with Julia <laughs> Roberts. Yeah, that's one of the best stories in the book, probably. Maybe the best. Yeah, we're not going to give it away. But um, there, there are just all kinds of things like that through here. Not so much with the other friends' actors themselves. No, very, very <laughs> little... Almost no discussion, which is also interesting. Although Perhaps, Lisa Kudrow did write the introduction, and and he is careful in uh, the the pictures that come with it. There are very few that involve friends, and they all have fairly generic, like "Oh, what a great job," you know. But the one with her, he's like, "Yeah, me with the funniest woman in the world." So there was that like one tender moment. But aside from that. Man, yeah, there there's not a lot said, and, and probably what's not said speaks as much as what is said. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't read tons into that just because I was enjoying what was said about it. And then, I mean, for me, Friends is one of my all-time favorite shows. So there yeah. were lots of things about this that I probably enjoyed more than you did as a person who endured friends because i loved it and made you watch all 10 seasons no i i totally that was my angle for it i wanted him to tell friend stories the whole time i wanted it to be oh this when we were taping and when the camera went off this happened and there's not much of that i mean but that doesn't i mean that's not the focus of no, his life it's, it's not He's at had all. bigger things to have to handle yeah so. sure his stories about his childhood are pretty fascinating. They I'll really give him are. that. Uh, oh, he, yeah, he came from all kinds of things that I didn't no, imagine. No, no yeah. idea. But uh, So ultimately with this book, I would say if you are a Friends fan, this is worth picking up. If you were not, maybe not. Yeah, I don't think it would convert you. Uh, but the other caveat I would add is if you're somebody who's passionate about uh, I found myself thinking a lot of Rex Chapman because Rex has been very public about his opioid addiction and the, the price it has paid on his life. Uh, and, and you know, the, there's, there's that same kind of willingness to say, I'm going to pull the curtain aside and you're going to see some things that are pretty horrifying, but I'm going to show them to you anyway because if, it's my story. And if you find those kinds of stories comforting or helpful in any way, useful, you're not yeah. going to find, like, advice in this. No. But just maybe the solidarity that you're not alone in it. Yeah, and, and that it can be managed day by day, uh, which, you know, that aspect, I think, regardless of, of whether you're an addict or you're just another schlepper out there trying to get through it. I mean, that's, I think that was the beauty of Friends a lot. I think most of his best art, that's that's it. It was one of those things that, that made you aware that you weren't alone. And so, yeah, maybe there's a certain circular nature in his book coming down that bike. Possibly so. That's really a really good way to look at it. 
Anyway, that is Matthew Perry's Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Um, just came out at the end of last year. Yes. In two weeks, our next shared read is going to be Someone Could Get Hurt, as you have already talked about. The memoir of 21st Century Parenthood by Drew... It's McGarry. McGarry. Yeah. And he read his own audiobook, so well, I know for sure his name is McGarry. I'm not now. going to be listening to the audiobook. I would have called him Maggary for years. How do you? But... Why did you listen to the audiobook if you own a hard copy? No, I listened to the audiobook of the new book. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but this came into my consciousness because of his Deadspin stuff, and it was his story about parenting. And I was talking to you about this, and I'm like, there are moments where this book is so poignant and beautiful that it literally moved me to tears. There are also moments where I wanted to strangle him and say, why are you a moron, Drew? And having been through another book with him really does very little to change that. Uh, I would draw an analogy to Matthew Perry in that he is sometimes painfully honest about himself and how shallow and stupid he can be. But that also makes the parts of this where it really sparkles talking about parenting and about connecting with your child. It really, okay. this book meant something to me. So hopefully well, it'll hold up well and uh, and, and you won't uh, want to run for the hills in the next two weeks. <laughs> we'll talk about it more next week after I've had a chance to read it. You just handed it to me today. So Yep. All right. Thank you all for being with us in the start of this new year. If you have read Matthew Perry's book, if you've read anything by Drew, what did you say? McGarry. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. Thanks so much. Appreciate hearing from you all, and hope everybody's having a good 2023, and whatever it's brought to you, keep reading. 